Welcome to Dear Culture, the podcast that gives you news you can trust for the culture. I'm your host, Shauna Pinnock, Social Media Director at The Grio. And this week we're asking, Dear Culture, what's more beautiful than Black art? But before we get into the show, if you're wondering why you're just hearing my voice, don't worry. Jaron, our Jaron Keith Gaynor, our managing editor, will be back next week. Um, he is off in Barcelona doing hood rat things with his friends. And we just wanted to make sure that he has a safe return home. Uh, but I did want to talk about something that's been on my mind this week. Uh, earlier this week, the infamous Trick Daddy, who, <clears throat> I mean, me and Trick, we have a very... Uh, Sometimey relationship. You know, he was talking trash about Beyonce the other day. I have issues, but whatever. Um, but Trick Daddy appeared on the podcast uh, slash show Drink Champs and basically was saying that he is, you know, um, he's building his franchise up now. And his franchise is the uh, quote unquote eat a booty gang, um, where <laughs> essentially he is supporting women, you know, eat a booty you know it's, it's something it's a thing it's it's fine um now trick has managed to go viral off of this and it's not even my concern is and or and my topic is really not even about trick daddy it has been the reactions from everyone else y'all are so weird about sex and it needs to stop i'm like it's it's really weird bro like we're the people I'm talking to specifically, we're all adults. Grow the hell up. It's re like, relax. And I say this because I remember when Gabrielle Union had talked about, you know, she too, and, in, in, you know, engages in a little anal lingus uh, with Dwayne Wade. And then that sparked the whole thing about, oh, Dwayne is secretly gay and Gabrielle is nasty and all this other stuff. First off, consenting adults are perfectly free and clear to do what consenting adults want to do. That's number one. Number two, ladies, especially my black women, my sisters, y'all know I love y'all. I will defend you till the end. However, I, and I've said this before, I have an issue because so many of my black, you know, my black sistren, y'all be out here quoting all of the gay slang and you got your gay bestie and you're watching RuPaul's Drag Race and then a topic like this comes up and all of the homophobia just comes bubbling out of you all. Relax. Um, for the men, for my Black men, I want you guys to embrace freedom. I want you guys to please learn how to enjoy sex and, and, um, and all of its many, many wonders. But that's all I had to say today. Let's get into the show. Griot fam, did you know that you've consumed art today? Whether you intended to or not, you have. From the billboard you drove past on your way to work to the piece you've had hanging in your living room for the last 10 years, art is something that saturates nearly every constructive space we have. And there's a good reason for that. Art has the power to do more than stimulate provocative thoughts about our culture, but it literally makes life brighter and more enjoyable for us all. This week, we're going to get connected with real artists who are shaking up the industry and uncover what it takes to leave an impact in the art space as a Black creator and understand why hashtag Black art matters. Let's get into it. All right. 
We've got three guests tonight, y'all. Uh, we have Donna Coro, who is a multidisciplinary artist living in Austin, Texas, whose desire to make art was sparked from her love of fashion illustration and design. Akuro's solo exhibition, Punk Noir, launched at the Carver Museum in Austin in 2018 and toured through March of 2020. In 2021, Akuro collaborated with PepsiCo with her art on the company's Life Water Bottles. And her art has been shown at the Texas Biennial, New York University, Notre Dame University, Makata Museum, and Unit London. Next, we have Jordan Lawson, better known as J-Law, who got into the art game in 2015 after graduating from Towson University. Always a creative and innovator, J-Law decided that it was necessary to showcase his outlooks and ideology through digital art as a full-time artist entrepreneur. He explores contemporary themes in popular culture, and his art is not created to simply fulfill what seems to be marketable to a certain crowd, but rather captures the uniqueness and individuality of people, life, and experiences. And finally, we have Gianni Lee, who is a multidisciplinary visual artist utilizing diverse mediums in fashion, fine art, and music. Lee's multimedia work combines materials including painting, drawing, and photography against a post-apocalyptic and futuristic landscape. Gianni has two distinct styles of intricate compositions that populate the fine art world as well as street art. His street art incorporates colorful skeletal figures while his fine art focuses on alien-like subjects to explore the technological, political, social, and racial climate in America while depicting the plight of Black people. Thank you all three of you so much for joining. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation, so thank you guys. All right, so I'm going to be asking a bunch of questions to you all. Everybody, you know, feel free to, to answer. Um, if you feel anything directly applies to you, there are going to be a few questions that are specifically for some of you. I'll let you know. Um, but, you know, in the words of Erica Badu, y'all are artists. I know y'all are sensitive about your ish. You know, I get it. So <laughs> um, I guess one question that I would actually pose to all three of you is, from your experience in the industry, what do you feel is like the most effective way to get more Black curators into the art space? Um, let's start, ladies first, let's start with Dawn. <laughs> the way to get more Black curators into the art space, um, I mean, the, the first thing would be, you know, just opportunities, opportunities for curators to do their thing and, you know, just to, in, in order, in, to, in order to create their vision. So I think just, you know, getting a chance to do something like that would be you know, really the, the first step. Um, I'm not sure, like I, 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 I'm more on the side of just doing my work and like hoping a curator will help, you know, help me show it to the world. And, and so um, I've, I've had the opportunity to work with, um a lot of great, great black curators who have really, um, you know, just taken so much, you know, care and loving and, and how they work with me and, and, you know, whatever the show is. Um, so I'm just happy that, that I've had that opportunity. So I think it just, yeah, they just need to yeah, be, be seen more for sure. Okay. What about you, Gianni? Um, well, I look at this entire thing like a uh, community and, you know, a community, it uh, works on both sides. It works with the curator as much as it is with the artist as well. So a lot of times, like, you know, uh, Black artists in particular, we do get opportunities and we get opportunities and they come to us from various curators and it's really up to us, you know, yes or no, yay or nay, if we're actually going to do that. So that being said, in the ecosystem, there are a lot of like Black curators. And um, like Dawn said, like one, they need the opportunity, but two, 
we also need to give them the opportunity to work with us because that's kind of like how it works. We're creating the ecosystem. We're creating the language. We're creating that world for people to kind of like get into. So it's like, it's up to the artists to actually give those black curators a chance. And then we're building that story. And that's what people come to see. So as much as it is up to the curators at the same time, it's really up to the artists because, you know, it's our art. We make the, you know, we make the executive decision. So it's like when we get those opportunities to have those conversations with, the, you know, black curators, we have to, you know, hear them out. You know what I'm saying? We have to talk to them. We have to give them the opportunity to bless us and like expose our work to their demographic, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I think like the best way to do it is. Jayla? I think overall it's just having the knowledge and the background. Um, if you really think about it, if you just ask the question, how do you become a black curator in the space? I don't think anybody can give you one set answer. So. Um, even with myself, aside from being a, a visual artist myself, I also own an art collective um, and we host various art shows. And when I got into the game, it pretty much was just me, you know, doing it on a whim, not really knowing much knowledge, not having a mentor. But it, sh it showed how many people I could affect, how many artists I could affect by giving them the opportunity to showcase their work. So when you meet more people and, you know, it's kind of like I, I think of it as like an underground type. Uh, industry because it's not many things on the main street uh, that people know about. So I think if you can just spread more knowledge and people know the background of what goes into it and how you can affect different people, you'll definitely get way more people into the space. But I think just putting it on front street much more and more um, really will make a difference. Okay. So what would you guys say like right now are the biggest gaps that need to be filled in the art space when it like comes to black creators like yourselves? We're going to go in reverse. Jayla. Oh, wait, no. You know what, Gianni? No, go ahead. Go ahead. He had an answer. Go ahead. Well, I think that there aren't that many opportunities for, you know, a lot of different reasons, social, political, uh, economic, geographical. There are a lot of reasons that keep Black bodies out of the space of, uh, you know, just being able to obtain an MFA. And for those that don't know, MFA is a Master's in Fine Art. And, you know, that's a lot for a lot of people, a lot of artists, that is like the entryway into like the art world. And, you know, sometimes it's like night and day, you know, you're, you're on your couch and before you know it, you're showing at one of like the biggest galleries because a benefactor or a beneficiary saw something from a school that, that they attended and they saw your work and now you're on like the main stage. But, you know, that happens a lot of times and, you know, that in the, in the art space that, you know, having an MFA isn't the only entryway into art. There are a lot of different ways. A lot of people that don't have MFAs, like, for example, like I don't have, a, I don't have an MFA. So um, I think, you know, in order for us to close the gap, we need to understand that creativity and, you know, talent comes from more than just one way. And I guess just the, uh, I guess just the scholastic approach isn't the only way to actually like, you know, find new talent in our space and we had to close that gap by giving other people opportunities that might not have the opportunity to go and get that accredited degree because you know that stuff costs money a lot of people just economically can't afford that at the time but that is to take away from their talent so i think that that's like very important for us to like really you know get a stronghold on and once again it goes back to the original question of like the artists giving the curators the opportunity and vice versa so okay what about you, Don? I agree um, with with the whole, you know, with Gianni on the the whole thing with the the MFA. Because um, my background is like a, a bit different. I studied in school. I studied things other than art. Um, basically, you know, my family, um, my 
parents went to college and then, then they expected me to go to college and become like a doctor or a lawyer or something like I was you know good at art when I was, was young and but it, I mean they didn't see and I didn't see I, I didn't see you know what it meant to be an artist and so I felt like you know it was my it was up, up to me to like really make something you know to make something of myself to make my family family proud and this and that and I didn't have the I didn't have the knowledge or tools on like how to do that, you know, with art, you know, at a younger age. And so studied other things in college. And then um, when I finally decided, okay, I, I have to do art. Then by that time I was already like, you know, so up to here in loan student loans to where, you know, if I wanted to get an MFA, it's like, well, <laughs> I already you know, maxed out on that. Um, and, and so I, for a while I felt like, you know, kind of like a complex where it's like, Oh God, like no one's going to take me seriously. Cause I don't have this and that. And it, it really took like a, a mentor, a mentor, like this someone with like this someone that was already a working art, working and I guess, you know, a successful artist to, to really show me like, okay, I, I, I can do that. Um, so I feel, I think um, other artists men mentoring other artists would, you know, is helpful, would be helpful too, like just to be, to be that person that, you know, that you may have needed, you know, when you were younger. Yeah, and just, you know, to add on to what everyone was saying, I think a lot of times we get stuck in these into institutions and the way that things have been going for a classical way for so long, it's kind of those type of things where we have to create our own lane. So uh, that's the beauty of, you know, social media and just today's times, because you've seen a lot of artists take their own approach where they're representing themselves and they're having their own opportunities. And from there, they build from that and, you know, they bring other artists under their wing. And it's kind of like, uh, we're creating our own method. And I think that goes a long way in, you know, us doing it for, you, you know, like for us, by us, you know what I mean? That type uh, stance that we take. And I think if we keep shape, shaking up the mantra and, you know, supporting us getting into, you know, that space, not the traditional way thing, you know, people will see it and will change accordingly. Okay. So, I, well, I guess, it's kind of a two-part question. So the first part is, do you guys, would all of you identify yourselves as like self-taught artists or like, did you study it at any point? Yeah. So I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Digital Art and Design. So I did go to school for it. Gianni? No, I went to school for communications. <laughs> um, bummer. But uh, yeah, no. So most of my like training was in high school, middle school, elementary school. And I, and I like took a lot of like, because of my mother, I took a lot of like college gear courses in art. Like she always had me in art all like throughout that time period. But yeah, nothing, you know, uh, collegiate or anything like that. So pretty much self-taught. Mm, gotcha. Don? Uh, so yeah, I went, so when I initially went to, went to college for my undergrad, it's like, what major will I pick? I mean, I really want to do art or something creative, but like if I picked art, my mama would have been like, what? <laughs> And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just pick psychology, which really isn't like if you don't plan to go and become a psychologist, like psychology is like one of those degrees where it's like, you know, what, you know, you could do, do a lot of different things in it, but nothing in, in like nothing specific to do with psychology. So psychology. And then also when I was an undergrad, um, my way to get around not being able to major in art was just to take a bunch of classes and, um, fashion design, which is what, you know, something I'm very interested in. So I took a bunch of fashion design classes and, um, and then after my undergrad, I ended up going to law school and then getting a law degree. Um, and then, yeah, like when I was in, in law school, like you, you have to do a, you do like an internship during the summer and 
when I was doing an internship, um, you know, here in Austin, Texas, like when the like the partners of the law firm found out that I'm an artist and they were like, oh, I love your stuff. Like, could you do some, you know, portraits of like our kids? So, so I was making like, you know, the extra money, like doing portraits, you know, like while I'm in, you know, while I'm in my legal internship. But as far as self-taught, like, I mean, I guess you could consider me that in, in the sense that like, I, I don't have a degree in art, but but my learning has really come from just mentor, mentorship and um, just reading and whatever resources that I can, um, you know, get access to is, you know, how I learned to do it. Trial and error. Well, listen, Don. shout out to you. I'm a law school dropout. So girl, the fact that you finished. <laughs> <You're> smart. <laughs> good, good for you. <laughs> so I guess the second part of that question then would be, you know, for people who maybe have an artistic side that might be being, you know, a little bit stifled a little bit, whether by parents or you're just like, I don't want to be a starving artist or anything like that. Um, and Don, you touched a little bit on this. Like, what are what would be your advice to like help shatter that myth that, you know, the art world is inaccessible to them? Um, you know, Don, you kind of touched on like the mentorship aspect. What are some other avenues that you guys would think? Mm, yeah, maybe this is something to explore. Let's go with uh, J-Law first. I think, honestly, you know, the world that we live in now, you can create your own lane with people, you know, what you want people to see with your artwork through social media. I always say that's one of the main ways to enter the art world if you're doing it, you know, solo without, you know, a degree or you don't have mentorship because you just have access to so many people for free. You know what I mean? I can... I just can only imagine how I would reach as many people if it was 1995 and I was, mm-hmm. you know, a full-time artist as an entrepreneur. It would just be totally different. But uh, the feedback you can get from people, the people that you can talk to, the people that you can reach, literally just consistency. I always preach that when I always talk to people that are thinking about getting into, you know, being an artist and things like that. You have to stay consistent because if you want to gain an audience, they they have to keep seeing you grow and see the journey and things like that. So. I definitely say social media is, is number one, if you ask me. Okay. Gianni? Um, <clears throat> I agree in terms of like we, like social media definitely has helped me a lot because it just helped me kind of like drive what I wanted to my audience. Like, you know, if it's, if it's anything they thought I was capable of or wasn't capable of, I could use that platform to kind of like be a storyteller and like tell my story. Um, so I would say like social media is definitely important, but it's just so many other avenues outside of just, you know, what we learned or what we were taught growing up. And, you know, it's all about just like exploration and um, just like taking that risk, but also just knowing that a lot of times like you're not going to be able to have that textbook day to day like you want. Like everybody wants a lot of sleep, a lot of rest. And, um, you know, and, and once again, like that's healthy. We need it. We need it for our mental health. But, you know, there will be days where you got to just kind of like work, you know, a little bit harder. Like you might have to pull, you know, a full time job during the day and you might have to find a few hours, you know, at night or in between to kind of like work on your passion projects. But you can't lose sight of your passion projects because one day your passion project can, can be the thing that could pay your rent that could pay your bills, that could just give you like a more of a leisure lifestyle that we all kind of like want. But, you know, I just don't, I just want people to like, you know, just be realistic and, you know, don't be out here. You know, if you want, if you, I, I did the starving artist thing. I had $5 in my pocket and had to like to put it together to eat ramen noodles because 
I just knew that I was going to do something and it was going, you know, it just was going to take time for people to catch on. And um, I need people, you know, especially black people, we need to have that self-assurance in ourselves that, you know, it can get there. You know what I'm saying? But also at the same time, let's just be realistic. Like, you know, you don't have to be out there just being broke if you don't have to. If you have to take a job, if you, have, you know, let's, you can get creative to figure out how to put money in your pocket. But also just one thing we have to do, we have to live within our means. Like, you know, just like don't go out there just trying to like keep up with everybody and buy stuff that you don't need to buy. You know, a big thing right now is travel. And like, that's very important also. But, you know, if you don't really have it, like don't max out your credit cards going to travel to make something look like something that it's not. You know what I mean? Because you could be as entertaining on social. People could think you're as cool if you're working on your own stuff. Because I tell you right now, when I first started, you know, painting, um, people thought what I was doing was so cool and they were really keyed in. And I'm like, damn, I'm just like scraping it together, going to the art store, getting what I need. And I'm making this like this. And, you know, there's people out here that feel like they have to spend money to get that same, like, you know, feedback or engagement with their audiences. And like, no, a lot of times people just want to see real stories from real people that they can connect to. So I'm just saying, like, from a financial standpoint, it's best to just be like, you know, super realistic with what your, what your capacity is. And like, you know, don't be afraid to take that job. Don't be afraid to just to, to do something that can get you by because that might be the difference between you actually taking your goals and what you really want to do to the next level. So that's really important. Insightful. All right, Don. <laughs> yeah, um, I would definitely, I would definitely reiterate, you know, that that artists should definitely, um, yeah, take take advantage of you know social media to be able to Im- imagine what they want their own world and career to to look like. Um, and yeah, and also um, one one thing that's important is like yeah, just be the like yeah, being the thought of being a a quote unquote like full time artist with no other job. Um, the, like that is not that's not the the be all you know end all or you know whatever. Um, because you know, for me starting out when I was like, okay, I know I want to be an artist. Like to me, that's I felt like, well, if I'm not, you know, making a living off of it, then I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not really doing anything. Or yeah, I had, I had a lot of uh, misconceptions about what an artist could look like or what it could be, and and there really is just no no one size fits all. It's just different for for everybody, and you just have to do um, you know what. What works for you? Like I've, I've done, like the the starving artist thing, and I was like, okay, no, I, I need a, you know, I need to always have a job, <laughs> and so, um, and then there was a you know, time that I just kind of quit and just gave, gave up on art in general, and um, and then I just had to, ex- you know, just accept, okay, like you know, yeah, like I just have to set aside this time for art, and then a lot of energy goes into my day job, um, and yeah so just this just, just kind of accepting like your situation may not be like someone else's you know it's very important can i touch on something that dawn said dawn you were talking about i guess back in school you kind of like didn't know what you wanted to major in so you was you were just trying to like figure it out because you didn't want to like let your parents down or let yourself down at the same time and i think that's another thing that we um you know need to reiterate is like especially with like college it's like you know if you're going to take that route because you want to go to school you know, like for me, like I went for communications because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was scared, at, honestly, to kind of like go and get and like take a, get my bachelor's in arts because I'm, I didn't want to be a, a starving artist. And I think and I thought that it couldn't help me. And the thing was, like, maybe, you know, it could have helped me in certain ways. You know what I'm saying? But I just, you know, once again, I didn't have that like that insight. 
I'm like, well, let me go get a bachelor's in communications because I, you know, at least at the minimum, I want to work in TV or you know, I want to work with cameras in some way. So at least I know if I graduate, I'll be able to do that. But I'm not taking away from my journey, but who knows what would have been the difference if I would have just went to school for art because I ended up doing art anyway. But I didn't have that courage at the time because in my mind and the way I was told in my neighborhood, why would you get an art degree? Like all the art, you'll be broke. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we got to get that conception out of our head because in order to be like, you know, one of the best artists of your time or like whatever you had to do, you really had to like drown yourself and like dedicate yourself to art. So it's like very important. Yeah. And also to touch on um, what Don was saying, um, it's kind of one of those things where you you ask yourself what what does an artist look like? I feel like there's no, you know, correct answer. So whether you take the chance and you do the starving artist thing or you work a job. So like I worked as a designer, graphic designer for the government for nine years before I took the leap to be a full-time artist. So it's one of those type of things where I remember those days when I come home and I go, it's kind of like having two jobs. You have your side hustle, which you're doing your artist, and then you have your full-time thing. And then it's like, okay, it makes sense for me to make the jump to be a full-time artist, but that's not always the best route for people either. And I think that's the major, like the best characteristic about art and being an artist. There's no correct answer with anything with this. So, you know, you can get those those skewed perceptions from social media where people look like they're living the life as an artist. You don't know what the true picture is. So you have to take everything with a grain of salt, do your own research. And at the end of the day, always, always be real with yourself always be real with yourself. And I think, you know, all of all three of you, um, something that you guys have just said, and I think it's so it's amazing. And I I give kudos to the three of you for, you know, taking that courage and and going out and doing those things. Like I come from a Caribbean household when I I have a major from Spelman College in in English, right? I have a degree in English. Uh, I don't do nothing with that. I'm I'm a social media director, you know what I mean? And it's one of those things I, I think like, especially in Black households, we have got to get used to the idea of like freedom in this in that sense right like nah you don't you don't have to be a doctor or a lawyer or you know a judge or you know all this all this stuff like do at the end of the day do what makes you happy mainly because one way or another your passion is going to come out like you're going to have to figure it out <laughs> but it's going to it's going to make its its way into your everyday life um so i want to shift the conversation just a little bit to we have to we have to touch on negativity just a little bit um what have been if you've had any what have been your negative experiences that i would say are like inhibiting your ability to permeate like white art spaces like have you guys had any types of situations like that uh yes i've i've had a few one it's just a, it's a it, at the end of the day it's a cultural and language barrier so a lot of times it's like for me i've recently i'll give you two examples like one like i've recently like moved into like this the nft space and there's this like language that you know a lot of people in the, in the nft space use and it's like a trolling language uh, nft is a um i don't uh, how do i explain it it's basically digital art that you can also sell for commerce, but you have to you can only sell and exchange using uh, tokens, which are similar to like uh, Bitcoin. But this version of this coin is Ethereum and Ethereum is the main uh, currency used to exchange, sell, 
um, in a marketplace of like NFTs. So NFTs could be anything. It could be a visual piece. It could be a moving piece. It could be audio. But um, it's really taking storm right now. But a lot of people that are at the head of it are, you know, just it's just the tech community. So it's a lot of nerds. It's a lot of folks from the Bay. And it's a very it's a very white space, too, because once again, even in, in, in tech as well as art, those opportunities of people even learning that stuff are usually in better uh, schools, better, better uh, neighborhoods. I wouldn't say better, but just they have more money, they have more resources, so they can breed these types of people who end up, you know, making these platforms. So being a black person in that space already, that's, you know, everything against me because I don't even speak the same language as you guys. I'm not from the same areas. So a lot of just the interactions, I can't even, I don't understand because I'm just, that's not what I am, which is not a bad thing. It's not necessarily a good thing either, but you know, when you're in any space, you want to be able to communicate with people. So that being in a, a in a, the fine art space, which is like, you know, predominantly ran by white people, it's the same thing. It's always like a language thing. So it's like, it's not necessarily like, oh, they're saying big words and I don't understand them. Like, no, it's not even that. It's just the language in general. Like sometimes the jokes or, you know, what people may think should be the topic of conversation. You just, you just might not understand because you're not from where they from to even have that conversation. So a lot of times they can keep you out of um, certain rooms because, you know, you don't have anything to really connect with them more. You know what I'm saying? And um, uh, also there's just a lot of like gatekeeping in the art space. People think um, they expect certain things from you. And I, me, because of the way I carry myself and where I'm from, like me, I'm a black man. I'm from the hood. I'm from a certain part of uh, Philadelphia and we carry ourselves a certain way. And that has not changed as I moved into adulthood. Like I dress a certain way. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I might wear Timberlands. I just look a certain way. I might look similar to what those guys see in rap videos, but I'm a visual artist. People have this perception of what they think a visual artist should look like. Even a black visual artist, they see the same thing. So sometimes I'll see certain intimidations in certain spaces because people think, oh, oh, he has a fitted head on and some sneaks and some baggy jeans, or you know what I'm saying? He got all these chains and a grill in his mouth that they're expecting a certain level of discourse from me, not knowing that I could probably talk circles around them about any artist, you know what I'm saying? But because of my appearance, certain things are expected of me. So that kind of came to a head because of how I promote myself or how I show myself on uh, social media. I don't all, only hide behind my art. I like to get fits off. I like to do regular things like anybody else. Because of that, I'll be in a certain space. I was in a certain space, for example, and um, I had a casting for something. And for some reason, I just felt like there was a lot of eyes and ears on me in that space at that time. And this, I was in this art studio. And for some reason, it was just like complaints about it being too many people there, things like that. And I'm just like, isn't this what these spaces are for to be used? You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you know, I didn't want to say anything like, you know, me, I would be like, man, they hate it. They hate because I'm doing something. But it's a lot of times like that might necessarily, that might be what it is. Like people aren't used to you know, I'm a new face. I'm black. I came into the studio that was already ran predominantly by white people. My first weekend, I got people coming in and out. They don't know why, but they wanted to make it a problem or an issue. But honestly, these were models coming to be casted. It was publications coming to talk to me about my art and have like amazing conversations. 
they're looking at it like, oh, I'm about to throw an event, throw a party or just have a bunch of people over. And I know it's because of the way I look. They think I'm about to just have it lit in there. You know what I'm saying? Quote, unquote. But that wasn't even what was going on. So these are some of like the hardships I found in the art world. And like, you know, I don't always want to like pull the race card. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of like know what it is. And I just kind of like pick and choose when I actually want to address those things or let it be known because it's like, um, do you, did you have this same inquiry with your other tenants? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just having people come in and out of here like anyone else, but because they're black, it's an issue, you know? So th- these are just, these are things that I've noticed, you know? You were blacking up the space. <laughs> yeah, blacking it up. It's just, just, you know, just blacking a whole, that's what it was. I'm in there just blacking it up. They smell incense. They smell incense coming out of there. They're wondering if I'm smoking or what's going on. So yeah, man. It's real. It's really real, man. And it's sometimes they want you to conform or look a certain way. Now, if I was in there just real quiet, not saying nothing, beating the quiet, obscure black art, if I gave them that vibe, they probably would have been, you know, welcoming me with open arms. But, you know, it was definitely a difference. And I noticed that. Okay. Jayla? Yeah, I think, honestly, just being a black man, I just want, you know, you get go into the space and that's already... I don't call it a strike, but they see it as a strike, you know, against me and things like that. So even, you know, beyond that, I feel like they always go back to the formal education aspect of it. Um, they they don't feel I feel like they don't feel like take my art as serious or, you know, it has the classical disciplines that will fit into, you know, getting into a gallery of uh, their nature just because I don't have a master of fine arts or I don't have the experience and things like that. But art is so subjective and you can't tell me that my art is in a certain stature based on some uh, compared to somebody else just because of my education. Um, and I think they'll always try to use that as a, as a, um, you know, strike against you because they'll find any reason, any type of reason. So I always keep that in the back of my mind. And I mean, I'm be honest to this day, I'm still not comfortable, uh, you know, always being in that type of space. I, you know, I've been in galleries that were white owned galleries and, things of that nature, but um, it's still not a comfort zone. And I feel like it's something that I'll fight through probably my whole life, to be honest with you. Um, I would, I've had experiences where, you know, sir, there, there may be like a, I don't know, a white curator that's looking at some of my work and my work is uh, portraits of people, you know, black people, um, you know, their bodies are, are, you know, taking a space on this canvas and, and just having, sometimes it's having, certain curators look at it, you know, like, you know, certain white curators will look at it and it's just weird for them to like, to look at it and just, I don't know, just like not get it, I guess, or not be, not being able to see beyond like the, beyond the surface, at least a, a little bit into, and then, then after a while, I, I, you know, I, I spoke to, spoken to other black artists that have had the, you know, the same experience. And like, they, you just kind of have to realize like, you know, the work, you know, is not, for you know, cer- certain people that that don't get it or can't see past past a certain you know certain thing, um, it also feels weird being in a situation where there is a, a white institution and they're they're working with a group of artists for something and like for some reason it's like it's weird when it's you know like it's just one black artist in the room or you know one black artist taking part in this like as if like it can't be more than one at a time or, you know, it just, I don't know, it just feels weird. And like, are they trying to just fulfill like some kind of diversity slot or, you know, what is this? Or, you know, what am I doing here? Or, you know, it just, 
I guess and there's like a, a little bit of a level of like, uh, you know, of distrust a little bit, you know, just, yeah, just always just kind of watching your back, you know, like what is going on here? Um, so yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> yes. But to piggyback off of what Dawn said, and this is like very interesting, like, so you had that uh, curator that was very just, you know, questioning your work. And it's so interesting that, you know, her work had to be questioned in that way. And then you'll turn around and that same set gallery or curator will actually, you know, celebrate a white artist that could be doing something similar to Dawn. You know what I'm saying? The same way, the same execution or similar execution, but she gets no question and she gets the praise while you're questioned on what you're doing. And it's just like kind of interesting or like at the same time, you see someone question her work and then you'll see a gallery value a banana take take to a wall at half a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, once again, it goes back to your original question. Like you said, was just about, you know, us creating that, uh, our own communities at the same time. But it's just something that like that. That's crazy. Don was being diplomatic, but essentially uh, our white folk listeners, please check your microaggressions because they're everywhere. Um, but so I have one last question for you guys and we, we running out of time. Unfortunately, I wish I could keep, you know, talking to you guys. Um, but you know, I've, I've gone and, and looked at some of y'all's work, you know, Gianni, you over here, you are far more, uh, abstract than I was like, Oh, okay. This is what we do it. All right. I love this. <laughs> you know, Don, you are showcasing as, like you said, black bodies, particularly black women and, you know, those black bodies in motion. I, I think that was amazing and beautiful. Jayla, I'm getting that Martin and Gina, uh, print from you, bruh. I'm getting it. Um, so with all that, I would ask, in just like in, in, in 30 seconds or less, can you guys tell me what are you hoping to inspire uh, with your art from your audience? Um, I, so, you know, I mentioned before that I'm from a, a small, a small Texas city. It's very, um, very dry, very, very conservative. Um, you know, I, I moved from, moved from there as, you know, as soon as I could. Um, but for me, like I, I'm just one of those people that just always felt like just kind of like just out of place, you know, in a lot of, in a lot of spaces, I'm just felt di like just different. And it's not even, um, I don't know, like necessarily, I mean, different and in, in, in just in a weird way. <laughs> and so, um, you know, like I always felt, I don't know, I, I always felt like I had, I wish I had someone like, like me to, to look up to or inspire me. So I, I hope that I can create a space, you know, for people that, that feel um, like they don't have a place. Okay. Jayla? Um, mine is just honestly to evoke that emotion. Uh, life can be so mundane. It can really, you know, beat people up in the everyday routine. And I just want to provide that spark to the audience that looks at, you know, my artwork, spark that conversation, uh, kind of get a little jolt in their energy when they see it. And that's the main thing that I want to get is, you know, evoke those, those emotions and, you know, those experiences that I go through as an artist and how other people can relate to them as well. Because it's, it always sucks to be the person you look left and you look right. And like, I'm the only one in the situation when I'm the only one that can relate to this, but you can see my artwork and you say, Hey, I really do relate to this. Or, you know, it's, I'm not the only one in the boat. So uh, that's one of my main things that for people to evoke that emotion and to let them know they're just not, a, not alone in what they go through in this world. And I just try to portray that through my artwork. Okay. And Gianni? Um, for me, I think it's interesting because I meet so many Black people that are like gifted artists and they just haven't uncovered it yet. And a lot of them are like, you know what I mean? They, they decided to be lawyers or, 
or whatever the hell else, but they found that their happiness was in just creating. And it doesn't always just have to be painting something, just the idea of creating your own and bringing that to fruition, I think is like very therapeutic. And, you know, if I could just push that, that kid from the hood, push he or she or they to just be able to just, you know, key in on what they want to do and just like bring that to the forefront. I think that I like I did my job, but I really want to like inspire black kids to like make it out with art. Like I didn't make it out. Like I made it out the hood and I didn't make it out with a D1 scholarship. I didn't make it out with a mixtape. Like I made it out with a pencil and paper. And I think that, you know, anybody could do it. Uh. Well, this has been such a great conversation for our Griot fam. You know, of course, hit up these artists for some of their work. It's their websites are dope. Uh, but, you know, just as a reminder for our Griot fam to please, uh, you know, consume Black art, love Black art, create Black art because Black art matters. We want to remind our listeners to support your local Black businesses and donate to your local organizations and religious institutions. The business that we will highlight this week is the Black Art Depot. The Black Art Depot is aimed to be the top supplier of African-American art, gifts, and collectibles worldwide. When you shop with the Black Art Depot, you are purchasing art from a company that not only sells art, but also understands art and the many ways it can be used to improve our lives. For more information, visit their website at www.blackartdepot.com. That's B-L-A-C-K-A-R-T-D-E-P-O-T.com. Thank you for listening to Dear Culture. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with everyone you know. And of course, please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments. We love those to podcast at thegrio.com. The Dear Culture podcast is brought to you by The Grio and executive produced by Blue Talusma and co-produced by Taji Sr., Cameron Blackwell, and Abdul Caduce. <laughs>